KYW News Radio Original Podcasts. This is KYW News Radio In Depth. I'm Matt Leon. A strict new abortion law has gone into effect in Texas. We wanted to talk about it, learn what it does, how it is enforced, and whether this could mean the end of Roe versus Wade. For this discussion, we caught up with Dr. Michael Moreland, professor of law at Villanova University's Charles Widger School of Law. Important conversation. Give a listen. All right, to start, I mean, there's been a lot of coverage of this, but for people that aren't familiar, just kind of give us a primer on what this law that went into effect uh, at midnight on September 1st in Texas, what it says. It's a, a quirky statute. Uh, what it does is it uh, prohibits abortion after the detection of a fetal heartbeat, which is around six weeks in pregnancy. Uh, but the enforcement mechanism is the unusual part. Normally, of course, abortion regulations uh, empower the state to bring uh, criminal prosecutions against doctors or others who uh, help to perform uh, abortions that the state is seeking to regulate. What the Texas statute does, though, is it gives the right of anybody, any any person in Texas uh, to bring to file a lawsuit against someone who performs an abortion or aids or and abets an abortion and receive up to $10,000 in damages. So that's the unusual part of the statute, uh, as well as the fact that it restricts abortion at a fairly early point in pregnancy. The idea that it empowers people to basically, I don't know, almost be bounty hunters. I mean, I don't know. I don't want to be too over the top here, but and they can just go out and look for people that they think might be having abortions. And it seems like all the the field is tilted where all the burden is on the person that's accused as opposed to the person that's doing the accusing. Well, there are some other areas where you have some of these citizen suit type provisions. So some environmental statutes, for example, and statutes where people bring claims on behalf of the government if it's been defrauded. But they're pretty narrow. And and the fact is that this is a very unusual step to take. Uh, The point the Texas legislature was trying to get around is that uh, when normally in these uh, kinds of abortion cases, what happens is that there's a pre-enforcement challenge brought against the state and then the law is enjoined and it never goes into effect. So what they did here is they had this very peculiar workaround as a way of, as you say, empowering anybody to be able to bring this kind of a lawsuit uh, and then incur the kinds of costs and hassle of, of litigation in, in defending it. I, I don't know if people, the people that put this together would even care about this, but to me as a layman, it is not hard to see how this could be misused and completely exploited. I mean, honestly, going both ways, obviously the awfulness of a woman has a miscarriage or something like that, and somebody claims it was an abortion, and they have to go through the ringer to prove it wasn't. What is to stop people from just accusing random people? I, I saw him drive a woman to an abortion clinic and prove you didn't. I, it's crazy to me. Yeah, it will. It uh, well, of course, we haven't seen what will happen yet, uh, given that the Supreme Court just uh, weighed in last night, and uh, and the law has just recently gone into effect. So we'll see how the state courts, which would be hearing these claims, how they'll how they'll deal with them. Another point, though, is that there is a danger here that uh, I think uh, folks have been observing that both uh, liberals and conservatives should be worried about. There could be ways in which more progressive states could uh, do something like this with regard to, say, uh, buying a gun, or there could be concerns about people bringing these kinds of 
or a statute creating these kinds of cause of action in, say, free speech settings. So uh, it, it is a very uh, peculiar way. And, and as the, the chief justice said in his uh, dissent last night, he said the statutory scheme is not only unusual, but unprecedented. And so I think we're very much in kind of uncharted waters here about this aspect of the statute. Let's assume for a minute that this stands. Does this effectively overturn Roe versus Wade? Well, the majority in its opinion uh, from the court was clear to say that nothing they were saying uh, goes to the uh, any conclusions about the constitutionality of Texas's law. Their point in the majority's view was that in order for a federal court to enjoin a law, you need uh, an injunction against someone for something. And that the fact is that these the particular named defendants in this litigation, a state court judge, clerks uh, and, uh, and a private party who said uh, in an affidavit that he was not going to bring any of these claims, that basically there w- wasn't anything to do here, that not until you actually have a, uh, someone bringing such a claim, it gets in front of a state court, then the defendant uh, clinic or doctor raises uh, the constitutional right to abortion as a defense. That's when you then have a live case or controversy that then could be the subject of, uh, say, an injunction uh, by a federal court. So that's the kind of technical legal aspects to it. Uh, and it is separate, though, from the ultimate question of the fate of Roe versus Wade and Planned Parenthood versus Casey and the right to abortion. And interestingly and coincidentally, the court actually has before it uh, this coming term a case from Mississippi raising uh, just that issue. It seems to me, and once again, as someone who doesn't study law and is only looking at this from a layman standpoint, Something this important with these odd, peculiar mechanisms put in it, as you said, it it seems crazy to me that this is something that the Supreme Court puts out a late night decision with no arguments. It it just kind of makes me shake my head, kind of like, what's the point of everything? (laughs) <laughs> well, there has there's been a concern raised from from different perspectives actually about the rise of this so-called shadow docket. That is to say, the court adjudicating cases like this on on emergency appeals, um, and whether that cuts in favor of the court uh, granting an injunction against a law going into effect or uh, leaving everything uh, in place. So uh, it, it is, it's a, and, and of course, it, it means that it, that it was a very difficult posture for the court to decide this case, given that they didn't have the benefit of oral argument, they, the record hadn't been developed. Uh, and so in light of that, I mean, bo- and actually both the majority and the dissent, you know, make a point about that, that, you know, gi- given that there really isn't anything developed yet in terms of what these claims and the implementation of the statute will actually look like, maybe that means you let the law go into effect and, and see what happens. That would be kind of the majority's view or the view of the four dissenters, of course, was that uh, we shouldn't wait for that, uh, given what is clearly under current Supreme Court precedent, the unconstitutionality of these kinds of uh, limitations on abortion. So I guess the next step is wait for something to happen and then it works its way through the courts or do you is are do we expect more litigation at lower levels? What what's next? So we'll wait and see if there's an effort to bring one of these claims, uh, and then you would actually, and this would again be the view of the majority. Then you'd actually have someone against whom an injunction uh, against the law could be 
posed. And so uh, as, let's say if it's a clinic or a doctor who has performed an abortion after detection of a fetal heartbeat, um, then they would raise the constitutional right uh, to abortion as a defense. And then it would work its way presumably up the system of the Texas state courts. And then ultimately there could be another emergency appeal to the, to the U S Supreme court. So uh, again, it's very much up in the air, you know, kind of what this is actually going to look like and whether, whether there will be these kinds of claims brought. Uh, but uh, you know, given the concerns that you saw both from both in the dissent, but also, as I say, the majority's view that, look, we, uh, you know, we just don't know what it's, what it's actually going to look like and that you can't have an injunction against everyone in the state of Texas from bringing these kinds of claims. And so we'll have to wait and see if anything actually develops. And I guess as it stands now, and please correct me if I'm wrong, I could be walking down the street, see a woman in a car, take the license plate, say, I saw this car coming out of a place that performs abortions. I want you to track her down and and charge her and... I get $10,000. Is there anything? I mean, obviously I could be proven wrong after thousands of dollars in fees and courts, but uh, I, I don't know. I just can't get my head around it. Well, this is where we'll have to see what Texas state judges do. Uh, so there's a somewhat technical issue in the law that we call standing. That is to say, in order to bring a claim as a plaintiff, you have to show that you're the right kind of plaintiff to, to bring that kind of lawsuit. Uh, and normally, Texas follows uh, the federal rules about standing, which means that in order to have standing as a plaintiff, you have to have suffered some cognizable injury, as it's often said, uh, in order even to successfully bring a claim in front of a court. And so uh, we'll see if a lot of Texas state judges have much patience uh, for someone like in your hypothetical there who really has not been injured at all uh, in any relevant sense by by someone doing that uh, and whether they'll just kick out a lot of those kinds of cases. But if a state judge is willing to hear that kind of case, that's then when we'll start to see uh, litigation unfold with defenses then on the constitutional right to abortion and then working itself up through the appellate process. And I'm just curious, aside from the meat of the case, having something as high profile as this, and I go back to, you know, the idea that it was a, you know, you mentioned the shadow docket comes out late at night, no argument, stuff like that. Doesn't that hurt to the layman who's not paying attention, the the credibility of the court that it seems like, you mean, wait a minute, something like this was just kind of decided and they just put it out and that's okay? That that Does that hurt the credibility? Well, you know, the court had to do something, right? I mean, they, they had an emergency a- appeal by the abortion providers who had uh, lost in the circuit court of appeals uh, below. And so the court, the court had to do something in, in response to their um, emergency appeal. Um, I do think that what you'll hear over the next several months in the lead up to the argument in Dobbs, the Mississippi case, though, is a lot of, uh, I think, back and forth from more conservative pro-life advocates and progressive pro-choice advocates about, you know, what should be the role of the Supreme Court in this whole debate? Uh, should the Supreme Court be adjudicating uh, abortion in this kind of way, or should it be returned to the political process in the states? And of course, that's in the background. That's the big question that looms over this whole debate and has for 50 years. Do you expect, I expect to see more Republican-led states kind of take this blueprint and try to utilize it in in their own states where they've got full control? Or do you expect that as well? 
Possibly. I mean, it, it depends on how much uh, political appetite uh, those state legislatures have for this uh, very peculiar way of going about uh, enforcing an abortion restriction, which for the reasons that you'd indicated earlier has a, has a kind of bizarre quality to it. I, I think that what's, what's more likely is that you'll see is if the Dobbs case comes out in favor of the state, which I think is likely, that you'll uh, have more just straightforward abortion regulation in, in more conservative states, such as in Texas and Mississippi. That's it for this episode of KYW News Radio in depth. You can listen to the podcast free anytime on the Odyssey app, and you can find it wherever you listen to your favorite shows. I'm Matt Leon, and we'll have another episode out soon.